Before we kick off today's episode, we just wanted to tell you about a resource designed just for you. Lana Hearth has put together a simple guide to optimizing your nutrition and feeling the best you can. And it's free. Head over to lanahearth.com to download the new mum's nutrition checklist. Now, on with the show. Lana, a dietitian. And I'm Tara, a journalist. We're mums of little ones and we're also sisters. New Mums Nutrition is a podcast that helps you optimize your nutrition and thrive in this season of life. Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of New Mums Nutrition. Today on the show we're discussing emotional eating and in particular how this impacts us in postpartum life. Now, if you're thinking emotional eating, that sounds like something I've done. You're not alone. Lana, can you tell us how many of us are emotional eaters or have struggled with this at some point? Yeah, so the research suggests around 70%, but I think it even potentially could be higher than that. But around that 70% is we have really clear data to show that, which actually means if you're emotionally eating, uh, that's it's actually normal and it's more common that you are an emotional eater than someone who's not. So you're not alone in this is what we really want to drive home today. Motherhood is so challenging at times. It can be really stressful. And so what we want today's episode to do for you guys is to give you one less thing to worry about. Of all the things we could worry about as new mums, we just don't want food to be one of those things. And because this is a really massive topic, We're actually joined by a special guest today who's going to help us dip our toes in and start this conversation. So I want to introduce you all to dietitian and nutritionist, Lindy Cohen. Hi, Lindy. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. We are stoked to have you as our guest. You're known as the Nude Nutritionist. People may have seen you on TV. You've got two programs that help people develop a good relationship with food. And you've got Keep It Real, which helps people with binge and emotional eating. And you also have Back to Basics, which helps people grow and maintain a healthy lifestyle without all that dieting BS. Can you tell us why you are so passionate about helping people have a good relationship with food? Yeah, I think because I struggled with my body, my weight, emotional eating for so many years that, you know, when I was 11, that's when I started dieting and I became obsessed with what I weighed and what I was allowed to eat. And I I went you name a diet, I have been on that diet. I've, I've, I've got all the t-shirts. Um, and what happened is by the time I was 21, I'd been on so many diets. I had developed this really toxic, awful relationship with food where I'd wake up in the morning and I'd promise myself that today's the day I'm going to be good. But by afternoon, my, my, willpower, my willpower was depleted. I was tired. And then I found that once I started eating, it's like I couldn't stop eating. I, I, you know, I knew I was an emotional eater. I was also a binge eater. I'd lie in bed at night, that, you know, at night and, and just feel so guilty and so bad about what I'd done. I thought that I was the only one who struggled with this. I didn't realize just how many people are emotional eaters and binge eaters. And so I promised that tomorrow I was going to be good. And so it's like every Monday I was starting a new diet from scratch. I never felt comfortable in my body. It's I was constantly trying to be healthy and getting absolutely nowhere. My weight was this sore spot. It was just like it was like the one thing that would always make me cry. You know, um and and so I think 
I decided I was going to be a nutritionist and a dietitian because I don't want people to have to struggle like that. Food is not about calories. It's not about restriction or controlling what you eat. Food's something that's meant to make us feel good. Exercise should be enjoyable. And so everything I do is especially for that person who's been a dieter, who's emotional eating. I've been there. I get it. It's not as simple as like waking up in the morning and just trying harder. There are strategies. There are things that we can do so that eventually one day you do become someone who eats when they feel hungry. They don't feel stressed about food. And you know, those unicorns where you know, they have a couple of bites of dessert and then they feel satisfied. They push the rest away because they know that anytime they want food, they're allowed to have it. That is what you could become. So that's, that's the goal. <laughs> And there's so much freedom in that. Like, doesn't that just sound so good? And I think that's why I, I love working with people one-on-one because, like, you get to walk through that transformation with people um, and actually show them there is a different way of doing things. Now, you know this especially because you're also a mum, Lindy. Can you tell us a bit about who's in your family? I am. I've got my um my sweet little boy. His name's Leo. He's nine months old. And I, I mean, I, I love being a mum. I can't tell, is being a mum getting easier or am I just getting better at it? I can't tell. I'm, you know, that's not to say that I'm not, I don't struggle with it, but it, it is getting a little bit easier now than those first newborn moments. Um, I work with my husband and he's like, you know, he's a really nice hands-on dad. So we kind of do it together. Oh, that's beautiful. Now there is a question we like to ask our guests and it's a fairly new one. So we haven't asked too many guests yet, but if you had to pick a song to represent your birth story, what song would you pick and why would it be that one? <laughs> I think my birth story song would be let it go, let it go from Frozen because I had this dream of a really beautiful natural birth where I did hypnobirth, I did calm birth, and then I ended up with an emergency C-section. And do you know what? I still consider it a really positive birth. It wasn't the birth I dreamed of, and that's why Mm. I let it go as my song. I had to let go of that idea, that vision I had, what I call the movie in my mind about how I thought my, my birth was going to go. And I had to embrace what, how it really turned out. Mm. And as a result, as I feel quite, I feel quite happy about how my birth turned out, how his birth turned out. Um, and yeah, it's something I think yeah. next time, I think I'll keep that in mind when I go into my next birth. That's a really positive way of looking at when things don't quite go to how you were hoping they would go. And now for the rest of this podcast, I'm sure I will have Frozen in my head. I'm so, so sorry. It's, it's um, better than Baby Shark. So. Oh, thank you for not picking Baby Shark. I, I'm curious to hear the birth story behind if anyone does pick Baby Shark as their birth song, though. So let's get on to the topic of emotional eating. And Lindy, can you give us a bit of a an explanation as to what you would define emotional eating as? Mm, Okay. So emotional eating is when let's say you've had a hard day, maybe you're stressed, maybe you're tired. Um, You might come home and find that food is something that you use to help soothe and sometimes numb those hard emotions. In a way we eat as a coping strategy. It can help be a form of escapism sometimes 
it might not necessarily happen in the afternoon. It's just that a lot of people do tend to follow that pattern of, of you know, feeling quite depleted, especially if your willpower was kind of strong in the beginning. And then you get into the afternoon, you're tired and you're feeling like you've had a tough day. That's when food can sometimes feel like it's a, a comfort. Sometimes there's... Um, our relationship with alcohol is also kind of interesting with emotional eating. If you have a glass of wine, some people notice that there is a link between how the soothing happens with the alcohol and how it also happens with food. And uh, I will mention that binge eating is when emotional eating kind of escalates. So if you think about it as a spectrum of eating, uh, emotional eating is, you know, when we when we deal with tough emotions, whether they're happy or they're sad. And then binge eating is when that eating becomes really frequent, really out of control. Um, and to be diagnosed with something like binge eating disorder, it's frequent periods of out of control eating, eating way more food than you normally ever would. Um, and then it's typically followed both emotional and binge eating by feelings of guilt and wishing that you could have done things differently and better. Um, and so we often find with people who are emotional eaters, they really beat themselves up about this behavior. And, and I think that's why it's so important that we know that this is a really common reaction. Um, and there are things that we there are things that we can do. Is this how a lot of the women you see, Lana, in your clinic, is this how they feel about their eat emotional eating? Yeah, I think so. And I think sometimes they like we think that it's just a normal response, um, as in that I'm the only one going through this and this is very justified and um there's a lot of guilt but that often then what I see is that leads to quite um leads to restriction and then it just creates this cycle from restriction um and often quite extreme restriction and unsustainable well, I would say all restriction is unsustainable um and it just creates this pattern um, actually this restriction and then either emotional eating or binge eating uh, and then there's that guilt and that pressure and that feeling like I haven't done enough and blaming yourself and who you are as a person as opposed to actually thinking about addressing the, the actual emotional eating it itself um, as as potentially something to focus on As a, but I see a lot of the women focus on like just blaming themselves and beating themselves up. And actually what I like to do is actually take that pressure off. And, and like you said, Lindy, there is another way. We actually have a lot of tools and strategies to help um, so that you don't have to feel that way anymore. And that's just the best working with people and being able to help them not feel that guilt spot on and I, I think what's so interesting about what you're saying is is this cycle we keep getting caught in the cycle so let's say we emotionally eat we wake up we feel guilty we try even harder the next day which basically means we're going to under eat even more which means we're going to emotional or binge eat even in, to a greater extent and so we snowball and then once perhaps we were emotionally eating occasionally and it becomes more frequent and more often and that's when it can kind of escalate and become binge eating and so I think the thing to recognize is what's really driving the emotional eating yes there are emotions below it but it's also the guilt and the and the shame that we place on ourselves after we've eaten more than we thought we needed to and I find as well when we're looking at it as a habit as well sometimes we we focus on oh, I shouldn't have eaten that specific food as opposed to going well actually how was I feeling before that how did I fuel myself throughout the day and actually looking at what things led to um, whether like that emotional eating can 
actually be quite groundbreaking. Do you think there are particular challenges or struggles that postpartum women face when it comes to emotional eating? Firstly, let's talk about pregnancy because when you're pregnant there's this idea of how much weight is the perfect amount that you have to eat you have maybe nausea you have cravings especially we often crave foods that we had as children for me it was milo or nutella some people it's hot chips or mcdonald's or whatever it is and so we kind of come out of pregnancy and there's the body image thing as well we for me I looked in the mirror and I saw my body and I thought who is this woman I don't look like the person I did before I used to be fun and sexy and cool and like wear nice clothes and here I am with a top knot and like vomit on me (laughs) it's not glamorous is it (laughs) it's so glamorous and my body just didn't look the same it didn't feel the same I um my boobs it's so different it's wild my stomach is like a spongy there's stretch marks there's extra rolls and so I think when we have this added body image pressure it can really drive the emotional eating because on the one hand, we're like, all right, well, I want to try and look like I previously did. So there's that aspect. Then there's also the aspect of being a mum is damn tough and you are sleep deprived. And we know that when you're sleep deprived, it changes your hormonal regulation. It makes you more hungry. It reduces how much you feel satisfied when you do eat. Add into the equation that you may be breastfeeding, which means that you are thirsty and ravenously hungry like all the time. Mm -hmm. And it's such a tricky situation to navigate. So you're operating on very minimal sleep. You have this increased hunger that you normally don't have. You have the pressure of body image. And basically what we have created is an environment that can be perfect for emotional eating to happen and to to really kind of go into, into overdrive. And I think... Um, there's as well when we're, we're kind of a little bit more home alone. And I think there's, we need to talk about the fact that when you are home alone, that's often when emotional eating happens. It might be when no one else is looking and if your children are tiny, they're probably not going to realize, but it can be a behavior where we sneak into the pantry and we're eating all the foods, the foods that we think we shouldn't be allowed to eat, um, or we're driving home and we're exhausted. So we're going to reach that food and no one else can see. So I do find that as a mom, you're probably more likely to also be home alone a lot more than you were before. It feels like motherhood is a very shocking kind of thing to be thrown into. And it almost feels like the ground is really ripe and ready for emotional eating to spring up. How do we recognize when these things are starting to happen? I I think it's such a good question. Firstly, it requires us to to kind of start to think about our, our eating. The first thing to think about is, if I feel out of control around food, do I have a sense that I decide I would prefer not to eat this or I tell myself I shouldn't be eating something and then that basically leads to me eating it? That could be a cue that something needs to be needs to change. What we talk about before is this these unicorns, okay? The unicorns who I, I meet <laughs> a handful of these women every single year and I speak to a lot of people about what they eat. As I said, they're the ones who can you know, have a few bites of dessert and then they feel satisfied. They're the people who eat when they're hungry and as soon as they feel full, they stop. And what these people do is let's say they eat more than they want to. They don't lie in bed that night wishing that they had done something differently. They don't beat themselves up. They know tomorrow I'm just going to wake up and eat when I feel hungry and it's not a big deal. I'm allowed to eat what I want. So if you're also noticing that after you eat, you know, you have this idea of how much you should be eating, then you eat more than what you thought you needed to eat. 
and then you feel guilty for it. If you start to notice those patterns and you might go, all right, well, this is something other than I'm eating because I'm hungry. There's something else that's driving this. But particularly if you're going through a tough time with your mental health. And I know I did where I felt like I had this a bit of an identity crisis where I felt quite sad. Um, I definitely noticed that I was reaching for food more often to try and soothe me to that for that little form of escapism. And just if you can become aware of it, then we can start to do good things about it. Yeah, I always think awareness is the first step. You can't change something if you don't even know that it's happening. But on. Once we've become aware that something might not be right, what what should our next steps be? Number one thing I would always suggest is that if you can become aware of what's happening, become aware of those thoughts that we've talked about, that's ACE. An exercise that you can do, even just for 24 hours, I mean, if that's too overwhelming, just do it for one meal. Write down your thoughts about food before, during, and after the meal. So anything like, oh, I don't think I should be eating that. It could be things like, oh, I shouldn't be having carbohydrates at this time. Or after you've finished eating, just becoming really curious about all these feelings and and this relationship that you have with this food. And that's really going to give you so much insight into what might be happening. What are the emotions that are really making eating feel complicated, feel hard, feel like a struggle. I would always recommend speaking to a a dietitian about these kinds of things. I think this is, you can then take that information that you've, you know, tracked your thoughts around food and you can go speak to someone, specifically someone who specializes in, in emotional and binge eating because it is a specialty and then they can give you a bit more concrete habits. But something that they'll probably take you through is this idea of intuitive eating, this idea that your body has an inbuilt system for helping you eat the right amount of food for your body, and it's called your hunger. So they'll teach you probably how to track your hunger, how to um, use a hunger scale to rate your hunger before eating. So we can stop being in our head around food, going, should I eat this? How much am I allowed to eat? What's the correct portion size? And instead, we can simply go, how hungry am I? And try to fulfill that hunger. So often we get into this habit of eating by the clock, eating because it's a meal time. But when we kind of strip nutrition back to back to basics, we can just tune into listening to our hunger. If you've been dieting for many years, this is going to be really hard. Diets tell you you'll never feel hungry again, or perhaps your parents told you you have to finish everything on your plate. Plus, you have a myriad of all these food rules buzzing around in your brain. Things like you have to eat frequently to keep your metabolism going. You can't have this sugar. You have to eat carbohydrates at a certain time and certain ratios and all that other nonsense. It makes it so complicated and so overwhelming. So another thing you could do if you are keen is get a pen and paper, hold the notes section of your phone, and just try to think of all these food rules that you have in your life. And just start listing them out. As many beliefs as you have could be things like, I believe organic food is better for me. I believe I should only have this cut of the chicken. Write as many as you can. And what we might end up with is pages and pages of food rules. And these are the things that are constantly clouding your brain, making it very overwhelming, very hard for you to tune into your hunger, eat when you're hungry, and to not feel... um, And it's causing you to feel like food is quite complicated and quite overwhelming. It sounds like there's a lot of power in both being aware of what's happening for you and being aware of your hunger and then acknowledging the things that you believe. And it sounds like awareness and acknowledgement are the two places where we might begin a journey of 
overcoming emotional eating. Is that a fair summary? Yeah, that's so spot on. And I think the really tricky thing in recovering from emotional eating is the belief that me restricting what I eat keeps my weight in check. And if I stop restricting, if I stop beating myself up for overeating, my weight is going to spiral out of control. I'm going to feel even more awful. I won't be able to stop eating. And what I'd say to you is what's interesting is actually the reverse happens. When we trust that at any time we want food, food is allowed. Those foods stop being interesting. It's like the minute you say to yourself, well, I'm not allowed to have chocolate that's when we find ourselves just going for as much chocolate as we can or you know eating peanut butter straight out straight out of the jar or eating things like bowls of cereal and think about it we emotionally eat on the very foods that we tell ourselves we're not allowed to eat and that is really really important so what ends up happening is when we give ourselves permission to eat these foods we learn that they're always allowed like that unicorn who just trusts that she'll wake up the next day and she'll be able to eat and therefore she can have a few blocks of cho- a few pieces of chocolate because she knows tomorrow or later that day she'll always be able to have more. And so what if these very strategies that you were using to help, you know, quote unquote, manage your weight, what if they were the things that were actually driving you to emotionally eat? What if they are the very things that are making it harder for you to feel in control around food? And what if by doing the opposite of what you're doing, which is, you know, dieting and telling yourself that you need to eat differently, what if you let go around food? maybe you get a little bit more control around food. And that is often what we see when I'm helping clients. And it's, to be honest, pretty life-changing stuff. Is that something you've noticed as well, Lana, with your clients? Yeah, it can be really powerful. And I think it takes a lot of bravery to um, ditch those rules and to try something that's new and different. Because like you said, Lindy, We've been told for our whole lives that this is the way to control the way that you eat and to not trust our bodies. And so there are like concrete steps that we take people through um, because even, you know, we make over 200 food decisions a day. And so if you've got all these rules, even as you said, it might be that, you know, you might believe organic is better than non-organic, even if that doesn't, that those things might just be playing around in your mind with every food decision you make. How exhausting is it? And so actually, of course, we're going to end up emotionally eating. And so um, I think knowing that it it is going to take time to undo those years of, uh, of dieting and those rules that come along with it, uh, but I think it's, I think it's a worthwhile investment. It's worth, um, you know, trying something new because I think so often we're trying to use all these rules to control the way we eat uh, or our weight or whatever it might be for you. We do that so that we can be happy and feel comfortable in our body. But actually those rules are doing the complete opposite. We're feeling miserable afterwards. We're feeling more guilty. And so I find people come to me when they're like, I can't take this anymore. I just, I, I don't want to be beating myself up anymore. And it's amazing how far people can come and actually some of their fears around needing those rules to control their eating. Actually, when, once we um, tune them into their hunger, it's amazing actually that they can learn to trust their own body. It sounds also like by starting to do this hard work, particularly in if postpartum 
period is when you start to become aware, acknowledge, start to reverse some of these things you've been told. It's actually generation changing as well, because that then informs how you speak around your children. And even though your your children might be six months, nine months, they'll be toddlers one day, they'll be five-year-olds one day. And hopefully as they grow, hopefully they'll learn a different approach to food, one that is guided by hunger and intuitive eating and doing fueling yourself in a way that makes you feel good and is not driven by guilt and shame and the things that drive us to actually treat our bodies badly. I'm so glad that you that you mentioned this because this is this is right on the money. I think the the best way that we can help our kids be healthy eaters is by role modeling it to ourselves. Now, if you're our age, I'm 31. So if you were kind of born in the 70s, the 80s or the 90s, there's a chance that your parents were hit the hardest by diet diet culture. I did a poll recently on my Instagram where I asked my followers who are similar age to tell me if someone in their family or their friends, someone they knew had negatively commented on their weight or their body while they were growing up. And 89% of people, which was about 7,000 people, had their hands up being like, yes, that happened to me. So I think we probably grew up in a culture where our parents were surrounded by diet culture. They probably would say comments like, should you really be eating that? Um, Maybe they comment on how our body looks. Um, They were probably counting calories in front of us. And so we didn't have that role modeling going on. And also we've grown up in this crazy social media age where we're constantly being told that we need to look a certain way in order to be healthy, in order to be happy, in order to have a fulfilled and rich life, which is ridiculous. And so the pressure on us has been immense. Now, what's exciting to me is that we could be the generation that ends that, where we don't say those comments to our kids, where we don't judge other people's bodies in front of them, where we don't tell them, oh, mommy feels fat today. And I know that's hard because sometimes, you know, you might have those thoughts. There are going to be days where you have bad body image days. You wake up and you say, I feel fat. And that's not actually a reflection on your body. So body image is completely separate to your weight. And think about it like this. Have you ever thought about a time in your life where maybe you were like your slimmest, you see photos at that time and you go, I looked so good. But if you think back to the time, you probably hated your body at the time. I, I look back at those photos and I go, I knew, I loathed how I look. I was worried about wearing a swimming suit that week. I felt really bad about my body. Body image has actually got nothing to do with what you wear. It's about your perception of yourself. And so I think if what we can do is we can start to understand that there will be days where you have bad body image days. It's not a reflection on your weight. Um, And rather just having some coping strategies so we don't have to, you know, say to our kids, mommy feels fat today, I feel really awful. But, you know, if you must speak to your partner about it, speak to a dietitian, speak to a psychologist about that because it's all big stuff to do. And in that way, by developing our own healthy relationship with our body, healthy relationship with food, our kids are going to watch us and go, that's the way it is. It's not about shame. It's not about guilt. It's not about trying to fit into genes. It's about feeling good in our bodies. I think that's really helpful that you articulated it like that. I think many of us grew up in families like that and our parents did the best they could with the tools that they had. And our role now as mums and, you know, for any dads who are listening, although I doubt they are, but if if you're a dad, hey, hit us up, let us know. Um, 
But for any par- parents listening, part of our role of is working on ourselves and giving ourselves tools so that we can then help our children to grow nutritionally and emotionally so that they grow into really great well-rounded people and we have we are in such a privileged position that we have access to so many different tools that our parents didn't have our parents didn't know there was a different way and that they didn't have to listen to these diet rules our parents didn't know and it's not their fault they did the best they could with what they have and we always say when you know better that's the first step to doing better and so um, obviously there's a lot more to it but actually um, we're really grateful Lindy for you coming on and share and and talking about your experience but also um, yeah unpacking emotional eating for us because that um, really empowers us all of us um, to be able to make a change for our kids. Now, before we completely wrap up the show, uh, Lindy, we can find you on Instagram at nude underscore nutritionist. And do you want to tell us a bit more about Back to Basics before we finish up? Yeah, so Back to Basics is my app. And honestly, I I was looking out, out into the health world and I just think there's so much nonsense out there, so much diet noise. I, I didn't find that there was a way for people to learn how to be healthy without getting stuck in all the diet bullshit. And I wanted to make our lives easier. I mean, our to-do lists are long enough. And I don't know about you, but trying to work out what's for dinner every night is pretty exhausting. And so in Back to Basics app, it gives you these really simple, easy recipes with ingredients you probably already have on hand. What's really cool about the app is that You can click a button, you can get all the ingredients added to your online shopping cart, you can shop them in store or get them delivered. So it's really about saving you time in the kitchen. And at the same time, I'm helping you relearn a new way of thinking about food with these step-by-step videos so that you you don't have to have anxiety and stress and guilt around food. Food can be relaxed and you can become one of those unicorns. Um, And you can try the app free for seven days and Uh, the thing that you know if you're pregnant or postpartum you can also do back to basics I have a pregnancy version of it with um, trimester-based safe workouts pilates and yoga about 100 workouts that you can do and stream online uh, physio support and also postnatal support as well there's a pilates rehab program for after you've given birth all the recipes are pregnancy friendly pregnancy safe so basically support you to slowly rebuilding your strength to get back to feeling like your old self your new self (laughs) (laughs) I've been actually using the back to basics app for goodness it would be close to a year now I think it was about a year ago that I signed up originally yeah we but we both signed up and we both pay for it and I think yes it's an amazing resource I really like having something to recommend to people that isn't just going to put them on a new set of rules which are just the old rules rehashed and, oh, look, they're now, you know, counting in numbers and now they're counting in apples (laughs) and now they're counting in whatever symbol indicates food is good or bad. So I really appreciate having something that is a very refreshing change from that kind of stuff. And if you want to find out more about it, head to whatever app store you use, search up Back to Basics or head to lindycohen.com. Uh, let me spell that for you because it's L-Y-N-D-I, 
Cohen is C-O-H-E-N, so lindycohen.com as well to find out more about what Lindy does in the week and how she really helps people have a good relationship with food. I think sometimes it's just helpful if you're feeling like you're caught in a rut of cooking the same things every single night. Sometimes it's good just to get some inspiration that you know is um, that is approved by a dietitian and nutritionist. And it's easy too. I can attest to that. Um, it's super quick and easy. So if you're looking for something, if you're feeling like dinner times are a struggle and just you don't have the mental energy at the moment, um, yeah, can I highly commend that to you? Thanks. It's so nice to hear that feedback. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much, Lindy, for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. This episode is brought to you by Lana Hearth. She's an expert pre and postnatal dietitian. All the information on New Mum's Nutrition is general in nature and does not replace individual medical advice. Come and join our Facebook group, New Mum's Nutrition, and download the New Mum's Nutrition checklist from lanahearth.com. Please subscribe, leave a review, and share us with friends so that more women can optimize their nutrition in a realistic and achievable way. Bye for now.